So you've got all of these kind of historic styles that generation after generation just start crossing paths and you're borrowing from this. I think it's more about finding balance. So it almost sounds like you're building a mutt. You are absolutely <laughs> building a, a mutt if, uh, if we want to reduce it to that. Welcome to the Art of Custom from Hibbs Homes. Sponsored by Pella Window and Doors and Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. You can't judge a book by its cover, but the exterior of a house is one of the most important factors in defining your custom home. So this week we're talking with Jeff Day, Lydia Huffman, and Preston Fancher about everything on the outside of your home. Welcome to season four of The Art of Custom. Welcome back to another season of The Art of Custom. In season three, we took you through the home building journey from start to finish. You heard from experts and clients, and you got insights on every step of the custom home building process from troubles to triumphs. We talked about it all. Well, this season, we want to try something a little bit different. We're going to take you on a grand tour of home design. We're going to focus each episode on one room, one space at a time. We're going to be talking with designers, architects, clients, and we do have some special guests this season. We're going to try to make the most of your home's new design. So to kick off the season, I want to introduce everyone to our show's producer and director of marketing for Hibbs Homes, Melody Miners. Melody, it's good to see you again. Season four, can you believe it's here? I know. We did so much in season three that I can't believe we have more things to talk about. It was a good season, but I like the idea of focusing room to room, space to space. And honestly, that wasn't my idea. That was your idea. So tell us a little bit more about why, why this journey we're about to begin. So a lot of our listeners got really excited about the design episodes, but we didn't really get a chance to go in-depth in some of those topics. And so when we talked about selections or we talked about architecture, people got excited, but they didn't get the details. And I thought it'd be a great journey to kind of go into those rooms and Think about some luxe details, how you're going to use the space, talk to some experts and get advice and trends and kind of take it from there. And we're really focusing on the important rooms as well. I mean, quite frankly, we're going to focus on every room of the house, but but pulling this all together is going to give someone the understanding and the right idea of, of how the custom home building process works and really what to think about when planning your custom home. It's the details you see, the details mm -hmm. you experience on a daily basis that they're really important, but, you know, it can seem overwhelming, but maybe breaking it down feels a little less overwhelming. Absolutely. And today we're going to be talking with one of our favorite design partners, Lydia Huffman. Lydia is working with us on a couple of very exciting and special projects in northern Utah right now, and her expertise in all things design simply cannot be overstated. We're going to bring into the conversation Preston Fancher from Pella Windows and Doors, a friend and a sponsor of the show. And finally, we're bringing back another show favorite, Jeff Day of Jeff Day & Associates, a very talented architect who has been working with us for many, many years. And we, of course, are excited to have Jeff back in the studio with us. Well, Lydia, ladies first, we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. Thank you so much, Kim, for inviting me. Uh, LH Design has been in business since 2002. 
I have a fantastic team that supports and works with me, but I'm fortunate. I get to be the face with clients, with builders and in the field. So our focus is really to simplify the process. There's a process to everything, but to make a builder's life easier, an architect's life easier, the custom (laughs) client's life easier. So we really have a very organized process. We're aware of the build process. We know the steps. More importantly, we're one of the few design teams that understand budgets and the importance of information getting into a builder's hands prior to that house going vertical to best plan and organize. So we are very systematic. We love what we do. There's a tremendous amount of good design teams in the world today. We're just very unique because I consider us to be a build design team that actively participates with builders on a regular basis. And you're working on many different styles of homes and many different budgets and all, correct? Extreme swing there, yes. Every style under the sun and every possible budget you can imagine. Well, then you'll be the perfect guest to have on the program, as is Jeff Day with Jeff Day and Associates, who's here. Jeff Day is one of our go-to architects in the St. Louis area. Jeff, tell us a little bit about Jeff Day and Associates and some of the fun projects you've been working on over the years. Sure. So we're in our 15th year now, and I guess you and I have been working together most of that, Kim. I was say all 15. Yeah. And we take on really all kinds of projects. I feel like we've been blessed with the ability to do architecture, and we should bless others with that skill set. So we've had small projects like a side porch for someone that needed to be done because they had to get a permit. This thing was falling off the house and no one else would help them. So we took care of that. But we'll do anything from that all the way up to we did a 34,000 square foot house in Illinois and everything in between residentially. But we also do a lot of commercial work as well. We do a lot of medical facilities and boutique restaurants and things like that, as well as apartment complexes. So we kind of have a well-rounded, diverse portfolio of work, and we're a team of 13 people right now, but we're looking to hire the next person, too. So <laughs> If anybody out there is looking for a job, <laughs> Jeff, it's, it's nice to have you with us as well. And, and we can't be talking about curb appeal without including windows and doors into this conversation. And one of our go-to favorites when it comes to windows and doors is Preston Fancher. Preston is with Pella, so tell us about your background. Oh, Kim, thank you. Yeah, we're uh, in our 29th year, so been doing windows for quite some time, and it's uh, pretty amazing the change that has occurred from a very functional product to a critical design element in pretty much any kind of home or commercial construction. Like Jeff, we cover a very broad range from a few windows and a replacement job to uh, three, 4,000 windows and a large commercial job. And the level of expertise has really changed a lot over the few years because of the complexity composites, sizes, and so a lot of the cool things we'll get to talk about today. And it will be fun, a fun conversation that we have. So let's jump right in. Jeff, it starts with the design. The client's going to come to us and come to you and say, okay, we're ready to build our custom home. What's this home going to look like? And they have to make some critical decisions. Talk to us about how does this process begin? I'm a firm believer that the best way to to start the process, if you haven't already purchased your lot, is to invite the architect and maybe if you already selected your builder out to the lot. You want to start talking about solar orientation, different challenges with the terrain, maybe views that could be captured with some fantastically oversized windows from Preston over here. But 
there's also a balance that has to be struck between zoning ordinances, right? There, there are building setback lines and things that you have to stay within a lot of times when you're designing a home. And that has an impact on how big the footprint can be. But as you and I, Kim, have so painfully had a conversation <laughs> probably up towards a million times together with clients, budget plays a role in the style of house and the size of house and the layout. So all of those things really have to be thought through. But we also think, in my office anyway, we believe that image data is the absolute best way to communicate. Now, as architects, that's kind of what we do anyway. But for our clients to have image data ready for that conversation helps us narrow down what the style will be. So in your terminology, image data, is that a fancy way of saying pictures and images? (laughs) It sure is. Thank Kim. you. It sure is. <laughs> I had a feeling that's where we were going I'm with sorry it. I You're went just over trying your to show off, one. Jeff. <laughs> Melody is uh, over there, not sure where we're going to go next. Are you? I'll bring it down to Kim Hibbs' level on the, on the rest of the conversation. <laughs> Please do, Melody. You want to jump in and save us? So we were talking a little bit about footprints, right? So there are a lot of really cool things going on with the way that footprints can shape up. I mean, you are recently seeing a lot of the C-shaped floor plans and footprints. Right, inner courtyard homes. Yeah, so there's been a shift in that. Yeah, so I think a lot of that is driven by the want for privacy. And so the more houses get kind of built in a community, the less privacy we have, especially when you're doing a lot of infill houses where, you know, a house is torn down and a new one is built. And so some of these inner courtyard ideas lend themselves to a little more privacy. You can go sit outside and not have to worry about people staring at you while you're you're in your courtyard. But some of that gets remedied psychologically in the same way with maybe it's a covered patio that has a fireplace on one side and some form of decorative screen system, putting the focus there again into the backyard. So... We're seeing a lot, a whole lot of that. Matter of fact, we've got... Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a project with Kim, actually, right now. There's actually a four-sided house with a courtyard in the middle that won't have a roof. So you'll walk out from two different locations inside the home into a courtyard that is fully private, but you'll also be able to grow plants and things like that. I don't know, what is it, a terrarium when it's uh, plants inside of a glass box? Yeah. Yeah, Lydia, uh, let me ask you this, because we're a big proponent of putting your team together up front, meaning architect, builder, client, designer as well. I'm sure you have a lot of input once the client really starts to talk with an architect as far as what direction they're going to take the design. What are you seeing these days? Everything that Jeff has already communicated, we are absolutely seeing. We are seeing a huge swing in internal gardens, just like described, atriums, four-sided homes, three-sided homes. In Seattle, you would think that why would anyone spend all that money, (laughs) time and energy on an outdoor living space? That is almost standard in our spec homes that we don't know really who the buyer is going to be. And it's ginormous in a custom world. I mean, that is sometimes one of the first things they want to talk about is how they want to live outdoors year round. So natural lights, I hear the windows, doors, and I loved the comment about want for privacy. Because we get to be home more now, 
than we've ever been. That's changing every element of interior and exterior design. And I find it really exciting. It's almost like I'm learning how to do things all over again. So Jeff, when people come loaded with their image data, as you call it, whereas I call it pictures, are they bringing pictures of the interior, the exterior, combination of both? Or, or where are you going to start with them when they, when they really do want to sit down and, and start designing this house? So with, with our process, you know, most people know what house.com is. Uh, H-O-U-Z-Z, correct. by the way. And I think you've been a number one house guy, like, what, For, that, thanks to 20 Melody. years in yeah, a row or something? It's been I mean, a while. It's, yeah, you're <laughs> big time on house. Uh or Google, you know, you type in whatever you think you're searching for, and it'll give you a thousand pictures. And commonly, when they come to us, they've collected almost everything they want, interior and exterior. What we want to see, though, through the design process is only interior pictures of things that are outside of the ordinary that they want. We're not going to get into the minutia of how that's detailed. That's for someone else. But we want to allow the space for those things. And we typically want the floor plans resolved before we move to the exterior. And we pretty much 100% of the time have to tell people, narrow down your exterior image data to maybe two, two pictures. We like this house and this house. And then my team can use that as inspiration to pull together our initial sketches and, and things. What about the materials you all are going to start to use on the exterior of the home? Anything from stucco is very popular, also stone, brick, hardy, which is a fiber cement product. How do you decide which direction you're going to go in based upon the pictures that people bring you? It definitely plays a huge role in it with the pictures, but we also have to be mindful of cost, right? You know that absolutely stucco costs more than fiber cement stucco panels. It depends uh, upon the part of your country. For example, I'm finding out in Utah, stucco is one of the, the less expensive exterior materials as compared to hardy and, sure. and things too. Sure, and that's the same goes for foundations, right? In Texas, a concrete block foundation all day long, in Missouri, you get chased out of the state with a broom if you're trying to, you know, use that. They want concrete here. So, yeah, there are certainly geographical caveats to mm -hmm. what I'm saying. But we want to look at what the budget is with the inspirational photos. We want to see how much of it maybe is masonry and is it real masonry or can we go with a faux stone that's very similar. We want to balance all those things out with the budget. Lydia, what are you seeing are some of the more popular exterior, I guess, selections in this day and age? Well, I think the most popular, as I we would all agree to, is just hardy cement board as a whole. There's so many facets of what we can do with hardy, how it can be installed, both in shingles, wood-like lap, smooth lap smooth panels. They actually have a new reveal out right now, which is really fascinating. But again, there's so many things we can do with one product. And when Jeff happened to say, you know, let's narrow this down to two exterior visuals, he already said it, but I just want to reiterate it. The first thing I try to help a client out with is once they have that vision of that exterior, it's like, okay, I got that. There's a heck of a lot of stone on that house. I know what that costs per square foot. Let's see the best places to place cultured stone. Let's define where we get the biggest bang for our buck aesthetically and based on our budgets. The architects that I work with here mainly in Seattle, 
They are incredibly creative, but that word budget never enters their mind. <laughs> Everything we've been able to do with Hardy, that drives most of our homes here in the Northwest. We are looking at the budgets first. We are looking at the location of products and how we can best apply it. But rarely do we follow exactly what the architect has on it unless it's a custom home and has been defined because we're looking for the opportunity to either look different than the builder across the street and or to do something new and exciting that maybe people haven't seen yet that sets that development apart. So we really branched out in the last seven to 10 years and tried new products. But again, if you ask me the simple question of what's the favorite, for me professionally, it's the hardy cement board world. Well, I would also add kind of the typical statement when we're working with clients is no maintenance, which there's no I such thing, that. right? No such thing at all, <laughs> but there is low maintenance and that's kind of what people want. And I know you're talking about fiber cement right now. That's certainly a low maintenance product. Mm -hmm. There are so many low maintenance products out there now. Uh, because nobody wants to touch their house. Nobody wants to go out and repaint a house or any of those kinds of things. Amen. Agreed. Probably an absolute requirement on any houses anymore is, is right. low maintenance, or, or minimal at least. And that's where the windows come in because your products are all low or no maintenance. Yeah, the you know the historic world was all paint, and every three to four years you have to repaint. Today it's either fiberglass, aluminum clad, vinyl. You should never have to touch other than minor cleaning. Windows are a very important component of the curb appeal of this house. Jeff, you as the architect really drive the design. At what point do you start thinking about windows, size, location, functionality, style? Yeah, commonly once we agree with the client that the floor plan is about 95% complete, I'll do some hand sketches of what the exterior might look like. And these are just trace paper marker sketches. That's where I'm trying to find balance between how big the windows, how many the windows, and these kinds of things. And stylistically, I think one of the most important aspects is kind of the chunky frame versus thin modern frame conversation, right? On traditional homes, you're gonna have a, a much chunkier frame because you're trying to replicate what was once made in wood. Exactly. So the windows are an important part of this and need to be, you know, someone like Preston needs to come into the conversation early on. Absolutely. I think people take windows for granted. They overlook the power of a window, right? Not only stylistically, but you know, like fiberglass windows, one of my favorite things, right? And I have pillow windows throughout my entire home. I did not design my home, but we have pillow windows. We have the aluminum clad wood. I have never had a problem with them. I mean, short of my kids beating the snot out of them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, that is maintenance right there. And then Preston budget also plays a key role in this as well. I would assume that that's almost where you have to start. The first question is what price point are we trying to hit? So normally the hard work's done by the time we get pulled in. I mean, some of the things uh, we've talked about, you know, you, you basically have your window design in place. And so we're working around more stylistic elements. But what's changed today, especially with your curtain walls, large windows, is there's a tremendous increase in the amount of coordination, whether it be materials, structural design, and really to kind of you know, achieve the customer's wants and desires. 
And I think the earlier we get in, the easier it is to manage some of the budget expectations. There's times that there's design elements that it's so critical in someone's project that the price becomes not an issue. That's True. the yeah, infrequent, you know, infrequent. You don't see that very often. But for the most part today, there's two or three options you can always take. You know, the key is basically understanding kind of what the customer is wanting to accomplish and finding the, the best value option for them. You, of course, rep Pella, but there's a lot of good window opportunities oh, sure. out there. So kind of walk us through. Everybody has kind of a builder grade, entry level. Walk through the different levels of windows that uh, one might have if they're building a home. You know, the three basic categories are vinyl. And I think vinyl is, is typically your, I wouldn't call it builder grade, but I would certainly say hey, it's, it's the, the lower cost element. It's easier to manufacture, and it's probably the most prevalent product used today. I think you start moving now to a fiberglass, which is a newer product, and there's still lots of design elements going on. But fiberglass basically came about to compete with aluminum from a very durable, very strong product, and its, it's aesthetics are kind of very much fitting into this transitional modern market. The beauty of fiberglass, it is just an indestructible product, very strong, very narrow lines. So you get to maximize glass, which is kind of another design element that you're seeing quite often is I want maximum glass and minimum frame. And the desire is to really engage indoor and outdoor to make a connection there. And there's a longevity that comes with a fiberglass window performance that you won't get from a vinyl window. Matter of fact, in a lot of cases, you won't get from an aluminum-clad wood window either. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, from a durability standpoint, strength, it's, it's virtually indestructible. It's what boat hulls are made of. Then you get your wood-clad, and I think wood-clad still, from a custom standpoint, is the highest or the most popular. And most from a standpoint, it gives you the most flexibility. From our perspective, we have a couple lines that are very much automated processes are very high quality, but also very cost effective. And then you get up to our reserve line, which is all hand built, highly custom. You can do anything you want. And so it really ties back down to goals of the customer, goals of the builder, goals of the architect. I do want to talk briefly about the seamless transition between indoors to outdoors, because that's a a big focal point in many parts of the country. I don't care if you're building in St. Louis, northern Utah, Arizona, Washington. Everybody is now trying to incorporate the seamless transition between inside and outside, and that leads to really large doors or really large windows. Preston, are you seeing that quite often? So I think the trend started in Arizona, California, Florida, yes. where people wanted to completely integrate their outdoor living space with indoor. And so you have multi-panel doors with no thresholds, and it's a fabulous look, and especially in areas where you have you know, extended seasons that you can live in both. The struggles we have in Missouri is we have much more severe weather conditions of snow, rain, temperature. And so there's- and there's mosquitoes. And mosquitoes. And so there's a lot yes. of things you have to manage and, and make people aware of. And a lot of that's sufficient coverage, water protection. So there's a level of expertise that we're just trying to manage people through because they, they see the beauty of it, but we want to make sure people aren't surprised at energy efficiency, water management, and some of those things that can you know, be a trap door at the back end if you have it designed and installed it properly. So Lydia, from your perspective, if someone is building on somewhat of a budget, are you able to help them incorporate one of these large panel doors into their design? Absolutely. So when an architect, builder, and window and designer person work together, everyone gets there much quicker. So back to that, narrow it down to two looks that you want to share with us. When I see that picture with the client, I go, okay, both houses have black windows. 
both of them have the slimline, you know, exterior visual. And so now I'm thinking, okay, what is the most cost-effective black window? And or do they want black on black? Do they want black on the outside, white on the inside? So there's all these little mini things we ask, and then we zoom right in and go, okay, our most cost-effective window would be vinyl. And we have a tremendous amount of flexibility. So these big doors, back to your original question, Kim, sorry, is, you know, they come and they have these, I'm going to call them Nana-esque doors, so bifold doors. And I'm thinking they have no idea what that costs. And yet we have that conversation. Why not put in large sliders there? Because there really isn't an advantage to that bifold Nana-esque door. And I know the cost is substantially more. So the fact that a builder, architect, Hello Window gentlemen and LH Design all work together is critical in window decisions as a whole. This podcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors. Pella is the industry leader in innovation and style. Windows have become a key element in home design and Pella has the product and professionals to guide you to your perfect solution. Pella is cutting edge in energy efficiency, durability, and performance. If you're tired of looking through screens, check out the Pella Integrated Roll Screen that you won't see until you need it. Pella offers the broadest selection of premium products to meet any budget and any design inspiration. Allow Pella to show you what they can do to improve the style and comfort of your home. With Pella's limited lifetime warranty, you won't have to worry about windows and doors again. Call 314-714-0100 to make an appointment or visit our showroom in Chesterfield Valley. We had talked about earlier the importance of kind of putting the team together up front. And one of the reasons that, that we really encourage that is to help manage the budget properly. And one of the primary budget drivers is truly how is the exterior of this house designed? What are the materials? What's the complexity of it? Melody earlier on mentioned the term footprint. That, that basically is the layout of the house. One of the other drivers of cost is the complexity of the roof. The more complex that roof is, the more cost is involved. So Jeff, I would assume that's something that you and your team focus on from the very beginning as far as what the house looks like, but also keeping in mind what the budget is to determine the complexity of the roof. That's right. I mean, the complexity of the roof impacts so many things. You've got to chase these gravity loads down through the basement. So now you may need bigger beams and headers and posts and things to, to take that on. So what we try to do unless the client just wants this thing to look like Disneyland, what we try to do is make the primary body of the roof simple in form. And then appendages, we may get a little crazy on, right? Because, what do you mean by appendages? Uh, another big word. Um, <laughs> a, a cantilevered window. Uh, I'm just you know, trying to help windows. the listeners, no, I Jeff. Hear you. I'm joking. <laughs> you know, bay windows or, you know, any kind of bump out of a room where you can maybe change the direction of the roof and dress up a facade on really all four sides of a home is where we would try to dress that up. People would see from the street and think this was a very complex roof, but ultimately it's not because the primary body of it we've really simplified. So which is more expensive, those hipped roofs that are you see a lot on the modern prairie homes or having 15 gables? <laughs> so 
That's a loaded question. Yes, that's why <laughs> I'm laughing over here. A gravity-loaded question? Uh, yes, a gravity-loaded question about image data. <laughs> well, and, and here's why it's a loaded question. So hip roofs create structural challenges where you're, you're going to have girder trusses, corner sets, and a lot of different trusses that have to go together to come to a corner that could be impacted by, let's say you wanted a, a tile roof or a metal roof that's even more complex, Absolutely. right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of waste in that versus gables. How many gables are we talking about, right? There's a balance probably somewhere on the graph between the two. But if you're going to load these gables with stone, like real stone, well, okay, now we're closing the gap really quickly. So I try not to get into that conversation. Once I've seen the inspiration pictures, it's like, okay, we, we can go this direction and then try to cut the costs, you know, with exterior finishes and things like that. But it, it all Correct. does come back and tie into the budget. And that's why it's Absolutely. critical to continue to communicate with that entire team. So real quickly, I, I do want to talk about the type of roofing material available. Obviously, asphalt shingles, the, the least expensive way to go, the most popular way. There's also metal roofing, which is becoming a extremely popular, maybe not the entire roof, but small sections. You've got clay, which doesn't happen in the St. Louis area too often. I would imagine Lydia, Southwest, a clay roof is much more popular. And then you've also got slate. So there's a lot of different options out there. Are you seeing any particular trends right now, Lydia, that, that you can share with us? You bet. Primarily, it is comp. And that again, back to like, there's so many choices within that simple asphalt comp roof. So there's many different levels, grades, and colors. So that truly is our go-to, but we are seeing in some areas the standing seam metal roofing to become um, extremely popular, as you've already mentioned. And for me, when a client brings that vision picture and it's all metal roofing, I start to highlight the key parts of that house where A, you can see the metal roofing and it would be an aesthetic celebration, if you would, of the exterior mixing comp and metal. So we do a ton of that. Talking a little bit more about colors and trends, gutters, that's an area where if you want to make the house pop a little bit, you can use those elements to really help set a house off a little bit. I think the biggest trend is, and I'll just say it, it's that black window. It's that black exterior window and probably 50% of the time the black interior. So that being said, I'm going to follow that wish. So my gutters will be black. My metal roofing will be black. My comp will be black. So we really try to dial in those details because that is an aesthetic in regards to like the windows coming together with the other exterior products. And when we get a new plan, and you'll definitely have seen this with our projects in Utah, is we get the architectural plan. And then we listen to the client and find out, you know, how they want it to really look. We're not changing the structural elements. And then we're applying those products based on their wishes and based on coached budgets. And then we're creating a 3D colored rendering that helps them visualize. And I know on our most recent one in Utah, it wasn't until we got the 3D rendering that the choir started to sing. <laughs> and they visualized it and they were very happy with it. So again, whether it's modern, ranch, traditional, 
I think there's always the same equation and collaboration with the builder and architect and client. You still go through a step-by-step process to create that exterior with the understanding of what you want the long-term vision to be at the end, but how we get them there with products that fall into the right budgets. Preston, I want to ask you a question because Lydia Lydia hit the nail on the head. She did. Pardon the construction pun there. When we were talking about black windows, I think that Jeff, you and I, I mean, virtually all of our clients that we're working on are requesting black on black or black on white windows. Preston, are these windows as popular as we're making them out to be? So black windows are the most important design element from a window standpoint today. And, and I think part of that is black is a excellent accent color. It goes with so many different colors and textures. Great. And yeah. so it's it's just an easy color to work with. It stands out. But the other aspect of it is is that as an accent, it's perfect, but you got to balance it because it can become a dominant color so quick. And that's where I think the design element of colors, textures have come into play to really create some really interesting and exciting exteriors. But from a maintenance standpoint, you have no concerns over them? So any color is going to have some reaction to the sun. We typically find your reds, your greens are more photoreactive. We've had very little issue with blacks. And I just want to make sure our listeners also understand that virtually whatever the house style is, whatever they're looking for with a grill pattern, a, you know, a window style and all, window manufacturers will have the answer. Absolutely. What about front doors? Anything that's uh, trendy right now in front doors? I, I hear there, there, there's a lot of people who like those, what do you call them? Not, not necessarily a pivot door. Pivot doors. Pivot doors, okay. It's a piv- pivot doors. I've been doors. hearing good and, thing, good and bad about them. What can, what can you say? Super not energy efficient. Suit, pivot they doors are, not. are absolutely beautiful. And it's kind of, again, it's, it's a low threshold. It just gives a really unique design element. Part of the beauty of it is, is that you can make an ultra wide door. So you create a you know, first impression of your house. It's just amazing. The thing you got to consider again, though, is that they're not energy efficient. They don't really don't have a good water seal. And so you just have to plan ahead, making sure that there's sufficient overhead coverage so you're not getting rain. There's sufficient airflow so that you're not having, you know, cold spots because of the door. But again, they were designed in an area that were pretty mild and calm. Missouri and, you know, much of the U.S. isn't that way. So it's just a matter of planning, but they're beautiful. And the same thing with people who want real wood doors. You have to understand that that they'll, you know, expand, they'll contract, they'll move. Absolutely. And so that's why we prefer, even on very expensive homes, to do fiberglass or, or some yep. sort of a, a door like that that can be stained to look like real wood, but it's going to perform much better than a real wood door would in the elements. Yeah, fiberglass, again, is pretty much indestructible. So even if you don't refinish it for three or four years, you're not destroying the base element. You know, wood will deteriorate if it gets exposed to too much sun, too much water. But it's it's really up to individual preferences. Some people love the feel, the heaviness of wood. And so wood's still, still quite popular, but it's typically your more custom homes. And again, part of that is, is you have a lot more flexibility with wood. Fiberglass is basically done with a 20-ton press in a manufacturing plant, so there is a limited number of panels you can do. Beauty of wood is that you can do anything you want, and it still has a, a natural beauty to it that many people still like. And Jeff, that's where the design comes in, because if you're going to be using real wood or a pivot door, you have to make sure that you have the proper coverage and everything from, from a standpoint of getting them out of the weather and sun and all, so it gives them a better chance to, you know, to perform properly. That's right. And I think it needs to be understood that either way, if it's not like a baked on finish that's paint, you're going to have to do maintenance on that door. 
whether it's wood or fiberglass. Yep. I was kept going back to that vision. And when that client shows you those first two wishes for their home, you immediately dial into some of those details. And I think that it is our responsibility as a design team to help educate them with the support of the architects and the suppliers and installers so that we can tell them what are your best options. If you want that garage door that looks like wood and we're doing it in a Utah home, it's like, what are my top three garage doors? I might show that client or entry doors. I might show that client that look like wood, but aren't wood or are wood because I'm confident saying, you know what, if you really need that entry wood door, then let's, let's look at our overhang. Let's look at some of those, you know, celebration of the entry space that can give you that protection. So again, it's just kind of like they give you a vision and you just run with it in offering them. That's why they hire us. That's why they hire all of us is they're asking for professional advice and we need to be educated enough. And every day I get up, I learn something. So I love that. So that being said, that's kind of our job to pass it on and share it with those clients. Now more than ever, it's important for you and your family to enjoy the spaces you're in most often. Count on the experts at Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery to help you make the most of home and create a space you'll love to live in together. Shop online or schedule a personalized consultation to discover stunning products from the comfort of your own home. So my question is, you drive down a street and you get a very distinct impression of a home. You can make the inside look like it's from anywhere. It could have a European flair, a farmhouse flair. But is there something that would define a typical American exterior? I know we borrow a lot, but what does the typical American home look like that doesn't borrow from someone else? Are loaded questions all that Melody has? <laughs> I'm trying to get you to simplify image data and she's throwing all these hard questions at you. How about that? I, I don't That's think good. there's a typical American home. I think all vernacular kind of evolve out of other vernaculars. I mean, you, you know, a lot of people for the longest time were saying country French. Well, country French is really a take on Tudor revival and not Tudor revival board and batten, you, you know, type stuff, but just the ideas of Tudor, the soaring gables and things like that. And, um, you, you know, you look at craftsmen, craftsmen's kind of evolved out of that as well. So you've got all of these kind of historic styles that generation after generation just start crossing paths and you're borrowing from this. And uh, it's, I think it's more about finding balance uh, in, in the uh, overall kind of composition of the home. But to say there's an American style, boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> so it almost sounds like you're building a mutt. You are absolutely <laughs> building a a mutt. If uh, if we want to reduce it to that, that's my level, yes, Jeff. Absolutely. That is a new style I have yet to learn. Oh my goodness! Well, on that note, uh, anything, any uh, parting comments from you, Mister Day, while you're here? No, I think this is a fantastic conversation. I'm glad you had me back. Oh, we it always enjoy it. Must, You're awesome. Must mean you like me a little anyway. We do. And we do. It was great to meet some of your Utah counterparts there and always fun hanging out with Preston. 
So, Preston, any parting words? No, it's been great. I, I do think trend-wise, which I think is a fantastic thing, is that there's certainly a lot more modern. You know, the, the That's traditional a good point. styles, but modern we're seeing everywhere. And I think, you know, St. Louis is typically behind the curve, but modern, big glass, clean lines, lots of textures uh, is really, I think, here to stay and a, a growing portion of the business. So I'm going to extend the conversation a little bit. I know I was trying to say goodbye to everybody, but you brought something up that's very interesting to me. Modern versus contemporary. Is there a difference? And if so, what is it? It's really terminology. People use Amen. it interchangeably. I think that this okay. is the reality. You know, contemporary just means someone taking an idea outside of the box and thinking about it in a new way, right? So, like Frank Lloyd Wright mm -hmm. was taking uh, Asian architecture and craftsman styling and and being a contemporary with it recreating those in a contemporary form. So people use it interchangeably. Modern, I mean, modern could mean so many things, right? Well, I have heating and cooling. That's pretty modern. Absolutely. <laughs> right? I have lights. That's pretty modern, right? So what what I tend to say, and I think what where he's going with it, is more minimalist architecture, where it's simple Great lines, time. Simple windows, forms, and things like that that uh, come together. And, and you can use a variety of materials, but you want to use them in much simpler ways. Good point. And I think and that's Preston, a great description. You're absolutely right, though, because more and more of our clients are asking for the modern or contemporary design. And Lydia, again, thank you as well. And I, I would assume you agree because I've seen and worked with you on many beautiful homes. A lot of your clients are asking for the same thing. Absolutely. And I love the word minimalist. And it's back to low maintenance, simplify their lives. They're staying home. They no longer want a complicated life. So when we're specifying interior and exterior items, it's all driven by, of course, first listening to them and their vision. But in addition to that, back to that, what does a typical American home look like if there is one? For me, whether it's a spec home and or a custom home, we're making it their home. We're putting something unique in and on that home that doesn't look like the neighbors, but also makes it feel as though that is the best house on the block, or that is my house. And it can be a light fixture. It can be the way the front posts are designed. It can be celebrating that front door. It can be landscaping. So it is just personalizing that home for either the custom client or who you anticipate to buy that home, if it's a spec home. So just making it individually unique. So Melody, I guess going back to your original question, the answer would be no. I would argue that wouldn't the modern farmhouse... Well, that's actually an oxymoron of? because these people are not farming <laughs> in their backyard typically. So... <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna jump in here. You're the one that threw out image, image data, data yeah. instead of pictures. Yeah. So And you know who's gonna use the words image data a bunch? Probably me. <laughs> All around the That's office. Awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Jeff and Preston and Lydia, thank you guys very much for joining us. It's been a very interesting conversation. I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners have learned a lot. And in our show notes, we are going to make sure we have all of your contact information. Should anyone want to get in contact with you and ask questions, learn a little bit more about who you are, your products and things like that. But again, thank you all very much for joining us on uh, the kickoff of season four of The Art of Custom. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank Kim. Thank you. Thank you. 
Always a great panel, lots of good information. Melody, what stuck out to you as far as uh, the conversation we just had from our three experts? I think it was really interesting seeing how the windows really impact the exterior of your home. Mm -hmm. I think of them, and I think a lot of other people think of them as an interior design element, but really you can plan your entire exterior around a really cool window feature. And I think people need to understand, too, that there are many different price points for these windows, and windows are so important. So make sure that you do find a terrific window vendor like Appella. We also work with Anderson, Colby, Marvin. I could go on and on. Lots of great window vendors out there. Find one you're comfortable with. They have many different levels of windows, but you're absolutely right. It's a very important component of building your custom home. As we wrap up this particular episode, we always have very good information in show notes, and that's going to be the case here, too. You're going to be uploading quite a few pictures for us, right? Yeah, I'll have some pictures on our show notes, and we'll also link to a guide to modern home architecture that we recently created, so you guys can get a really good visual of a lot of these different styles that we discussed in the episode. And that's what I love about show notes. It gives you a chance to truly see some of the things that we're talking about. And by the way, this is season four, episode one, but all of our earlier episodes, if for some reason you want to catch up, and we, of course, encourage you to do that, you can find all of our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A lot of good information in the show notes for those uh, particular podcasts as well. And you can always visit us on our website, which is HibsHomesUSA.com. Connect with us on social media. We love to get interaction from our listeners, don't we? I love it. It's part of my job is talking to all of the people who jump on our social. So come talk to me. Next week, it's going to be an interesting show, right? It is. It's my favorite room. The kitchen. Yes. Because why? That's where all the important... Discussions happen. (laughs) So we'll see you on our next episode. For more information, visit www.artofcustompodcast.com or find us on Facebook as The Art of Custom and on Twitter at Art of Custom Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes, and please rate and review to help us grow. The Art of Custom is produced by Hug Monster Sound, with original music by Adam Frick-Ferdine. Thanks for listening!